0: We are in Genesis chapter, uh, 24, Genesis chapter 24. And we looked at the first half of this chapter last week. So let me just, just summarize the first half of this chapter is Abraham is old. He's 140 years old at this point, which means he's lived in the land of Canaan for 65 years. And he takes his trusted servant, the most senior servant of his household, which was probably Eleazar of, of, uh, of uh, uh, the Syrian, and he makes him make an oath that he will go and get a wife for his son from among his own family, not from among the Canaanite women. So the man goes and he he uh, he prays a prayer. He says, "Whoever uh, he says I, I, I'm here. He just arrived in that town. He went to Abram's hometown that, that was." not all the way back in Ur of the Chaldeans, here I am by this well, the woman that comes out, so he prays this prayer, he says, the woman that comes out and I ask her for water, she gives me water, and then offers to water my camels as well, let her be the one that's, that's. uh, um, if she says, let me water your camels as well, let her be the one that's the woman that I'm looking for for the wife, for my master's servant, and that would be for Isaac. From my master's son, and that would be for Isaac. And so he goes there, and exactly that happens. Exactly that happens. And uh, uh, she goes to water his camels. Now remember, camels drink over 50 gallons of water in three minutes. He had, they had 10 camels with them. If we were giving them 10 gallons of water a piece, that's 100 gallons of water. She's carrying three gallons of water on her shoulder. She's making like 33 to 35 trips down to, the, to, to this well and dumping it in the trough for these camels. So this is a real act of service. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 24. Genesis 24:22. And when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels in gold. And he said, whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Again she said to him, We have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. Then the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. When he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, This is what the man said to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside since I've prepared the house and the place for the camels? So the man entered the house. Then Laban unloaded the camels and he gave straw and feed to the camels and watered and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. But when food was set before him, he said to him, he said, I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, speak on. Okay, so... This woman waters all these camels. There's this tremendous act of service. Remember, this is, this is at least 35 trips from this well with the water on her shoulder to the trough, however long that distance is. Dumping it in, going back at least 35 times, could easily be double or triple that. Alright? Could even be five times that. And it says the guy and his men were just standing there and watching her. They wanted to see this act of service. She fulfilled what she said she would do. She said she'd water his camels too. He had ten camels. That's a lot of work. Service service is a great blessing. You learn to serve, you will be greatly blessed. So in verse 22, it says in verse 21, Meanwhile, while the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. So the man was just looking at her. He didn't even offer to help her. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel. That's a nose ring because we see later on it's a nose ring, not something for the finger. And two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels in gold. Now, ten shekels is a quarter of a pound. That's $6,000 of gold today. That's a big bracelet. Now, we don't know if both of the bracelets weighed 10 shekels, or each bracelet was 10 shekels. But it was, it, it was a, a quarter pound of gold. So this is quite a gift. She had no idea she was going to get this for giving him water and watering his camels. But you see, there's immediate blessing in service. Immediate blessing. She got, she got these, and it, and it wasn't based on any other deal. He just gave it to her. And then he says to her, Whose daughter are you? Whose daughter are you? Now, remember, this guy who's doing this, Eleazar, he is the most senior member of all of Abraham's servants, which means he probably came with Abraham from when he came down from Syria. He's been in the land 65 years. That means this guy is minimally 65, probably 75 or 85. He asks this young woman, now he identified her as being, as the scriptures say here, she was very beautiful. So he was able to recognize that, but he asks her, whose daughter are you? This is not the question of a young man. A young man would say, so, tell me about you. That's what a young man would say. He says, whose daughter? Are you? Because this man realizes that if I understand something about the family, I will understand something about you. That there's so much embedded within the culture of the family. And it's not that, you know, sometimes people get saved and they're radically changed from what their family upbringing, how they were raised, and and they can make fine spouses. But there's other times when you can assess a lot by the quality of a good family. He says, whose daughter are you? That was his first questioner. Whose daughter are you? He cares a lot about the family. The family is a big concern. I knew Shireen's mom mom and dad, Shireen's mother and father, long before I ever met her. I met first her mother. Shireen was was still studying in a a British college. And and, and then I met her father. Brothers, I met her father, and she was the last of her family. She's the youngest of eight children. She was the last of her family to come because she was finishing up school at the time. So, so uh, um, even though we're the same age, she she finished school before I did. She went to school early, and and uh, um, so she she got done with college, and then she she finally came. So she was the last of her siblings to come. I knew a lot about the quality of her family. I knew how godly her mother and her father were. And so I knew that there had to be some sort of character. When I first met her, I mean, there was nothing when her father first introduced me to her. But I knew that this was a quality family. Just because I knew her mother and father. I knew what kind of person that that, that she probably was. Just because I had known her brothers and her sisters. He says, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? He asked her, is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? He doesn't say your house. He says your father's house. You say, well, why are you doing this? Because there were probably not, you know, a Motel 6 in town. This is a long, long time ago. And, and, uh, uh, and she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. So she's going through her background. So if if we look at this, there is Terah was Abram's father. So Terah gave birth to, ter, Terah's sons were Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran, we already read, died, and his son Lot ended up going into the land with, with Abram. Which later, who later became Abraham. He was married to Sarai, which later became Sarah, and his name Abraham became, Abram became Abraham. So his other son, Terah's other son Nahor, who's Abraham's brother Nahor, had a wife named Milcah. They gave birth to Bethuel, who was the eighth son that they had. The youngest son of theirs was Bethuel. His daughter was Rebekah. Rebecca is going to become the wife of Isaac. So this is, this is Abraham's, uh, grandniece, is, 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 is Rebecca. And so you see this now, you will keep seeing reference to Milcah. You'll keep seeing reference to Milcah when generally women aren't mentioned. And the reason we keep seeing reference is because in, in chapter 22 of, 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 uh, of the book of Genesis chapter 22, verse 20, it says, Now it came about after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, Buz his brother, and Kemuel the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo and Pidash, and Jildlaf, and Bethuel. So Bethuel is the number eight. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. These eight Milkah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. And the reason it mentions her is because in verse twenty-four it says, His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Tiba, Gaham, Tihash, and Makkah. So he had eight sons with Milka. He had four other sons with his concubine. That's why she keeps having to make reference, saying, I'm of the the of Milka. You know, who gave birth to Bethuel, who gave birth to me. So that's why she keeps specifying also the mother because because uh, um, Nahor had a concubine as well. It says, and, and, uh, uh, and she said to him, verse 25, we have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. This was a very hospitable woman. She says <clears throat> that I am the daughter of Bethuel, the daughter of Bethuel, the son, the son of Milcah, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. So she tracks this. The man immediately knows that she's of the family of Abraham. He immediately knows from this that his prayer has been answered, that The oath that he took and what Abraham had said, an angel will go before you. We never see the angel working, but Abraham said an angel will go before you and he'll take care of it. This is the way angels normally work. You don't see them manifest, but they're working. And she says, we have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. This is all free. You come and stay in our home. This is all free. Remember, this guy had 10 camels, 10 camels. And a bunch of people traveling with him. He said, she said, you come. She came from a hospitable family. I knew how hospitable Shireen's family was. Even when they had first moved here and they didn't have much, people would come and visit them and whatever they had, they opened their home to them. People would come and live with them for weeks. Whole families would come and stay with them for weeks. And, you know, when, when, when people w- would come to stay with me, I'd be like, how, how long are you going to be here? And Shireen has told me, don't say that to people. Just don't say that. You can think that, but don't say that. And, and uh, uh, I learned how to be hospitable. I learned that from her, from Shireen. She came from a very hospitable family. This woman was super hospitable. She comes from a, a family. She knew her family would be open to them. And the New Testament, our instruction tells us to, to, to be this way. So for example, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to, to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing this. Without knowing it. In in uh, um, in 1 in Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, it's talking about the support of widows. He says, don't let the church support a widow who's under 60 years old, only if they're all over 60. And then it then it goes through criteria. It says, a widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works. And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. So the only way the church should support a widow is if all these requirements. Now, if she has children, her children are supposed to take care of her. So her children, in this case, must have also been dead also. Must have also been dead. Because if not, the children were to take care of her. So only if she, has, she doesn't have any children after having born them, and she has to have shown hospitality. This is one of the requirements. Hospitality is a big thing, both in the Old and the New Testament. It's very important to be hospitable. I learned hospitality in college, in this, in this, this student ministry that I was in, where we, were, we, we had this discipleship house, we had to invite people in, we had to have guests in our home, and the pastor was always being hospitable. And so I learned this from the pastor, I learned this from Shireen's family. We are instructed in the New Testament to be hospitable. It is a sign of the body of Christ, to be hospitable. This is part of what we're to learn to do. And the good thing about working with people your age is you're highly impressionable. That is a good thing. You are able to change. You work with people who are 20 years older than yourself, it's hard to get them to change. That's why it's hard to marry a person who's 40 years old. There's a lot of troubles when people are 40 years old and get married versus 20 years old because they're so established in their ways. This happens all the time. And people are waiting more and more to get married and it's harder and harder. It really is because you get more set in your ways. At your age, it's much easier to change. So she had a really hospitable family. So when this guy hears where she's from and how how hospitable she is, he knows she'd make a great wife. And so it says in verse 26, And the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. He didn't just stand up. He bowed low. I mean, he bowed down and he got... I mean... Isn't this girl going to think this is kind of odd? You know, she she hasn't learned from Abraham how to do this. He bowed low and he worshipped the Lord. Where every he just, I mean, he was just so taken by this, and he said, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham." When he says Lord, that's the Lord in small caps in your Bible. That's Yahweh. As as in in English, it would be translated Jehovah. That is the personal name of God. He is thanking the personal name of God. The And early on, they used the name Yahweh. That use of the word Yahweh was phased out later on. They said it's too holy of a name to use. But here they're using the name Yahweh and the God of my master Abraham. So he's so concerned about seeing his master Abraham blessed. This is what happens in life. You get so concerned for other people. You bless God when God has fulfilled something in their life. So I care a lot about my wife. I pray for her for things, and when God does that, I'm so happy for what God's done in her life. She does the same for me in my life. We pray for our children. We rejoice when God does something in our children's lives. You learn to pray for others, and you rejoice for what He does in the lives of others. Who has not forsaken His loving kindness and truth toward my Master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. Remember, this guy didn't have a GPS. He just knows approximately where to go, and he ends up right at the house of his master's brother, Nahor. Now, Nahor's now gone, but Bethuel is there. And, and uh, so he knows that this is the right house. So he's rejoicing in the Lord for this. See how he's thanking the spe- specificity. The answers to prayer. He's thanking specifically answers to prayer. This is part of what the Christian walk is. It's learning how to thank specifically for things in prayer. In verse 28, the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now, why her mother's household? Bethuel is still very much alive as we're going to see. Bethuel is still very much alive, but she's, it says her mother's household. Now, Bethuel may have also had concubines so she has to specify this is within my mother's household because you, you know it it, it it we understand that you probably have a separate tent for the other woman and her kids i mean it just it just got to work out that way i don't care what generation it's in it, it's 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 trouble it's just trouble and we see we see what happened to abraham and in his home it's trouble and uh um so she says, and she ran to tell her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. Now, we're going to learn a lot more about Laban in a few chapters. Laban was a crooked sort of guy. He was a crooked brother. And uh, 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 Laban loved, loved riches. He loved money, and uh, uh, he was very good at conniving and twisting things. And so she went and she told Laban, her brother, and says, and, and verse 30, and verse 29, now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. And when he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, ah, when he saw the size of those bracelets, he knew, this is a man I gotta get to know. When he saw the ring, the ring, the nose ring, and the bracelets. You see those size of bracelets, quarter, a pound, of gold bracelets. He said, "Whoa!" He ran. So, so Laban ran. Also, she ran. Laban ran. That's unusual in 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 the Middle East. Men don't run. Now, maybe they do now because they're they're exercising. But in general, they don't run. So Laban runs, and and uh, when he, and and uh, when he saw the ring. And the bracelets on his sister's wrists, he, and when he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister. So Rebecca told him what happened. Rebecca told him that this man prayed and he gave thanks to someone named Yahweh. It says, this is what the man said. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, come in, blessed of the Lord, Yahweh. You know, he had heard the name that this guy was using through his sister, and he says, blessed of the Lord, Yahweh. Now, we don't know if he really knew the God, Yahweh. We don't know. We know Abram did, and we know Abram had heard this call This call up in that land. We don't know if if this is translated or if he was just quoting his sister. But we do know from later chapters that Laban is kind of a conniving man. So I don't trust him. I mean, I just don't, I don't trust that, that this was all legitimate here. And then he says, why do you stand outside since I, I, I did it, me. I have prepared the house and the place for the camels. Now we're going to see later on in this chapter that Rebecca's brother and Re- Rebecca, their father was Bethuel. He was very much alive. Because later on we're going to see him in this chapter. Now maybe he's not able to go out at this point, but uh, um, uh but he's very much alive. But but Laban takes, you know, I, I'm the one who did this. Verse 32. So the man entered the house, then Laban unloaded the camels and gave straw and feed to the camels. And water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. So this is a hospitable family. It is good to learn to be hospitable. This is a good thing. Be hospitable. Learn to serve in this way. And then it says and, and it says, uh, "But when food was set before him to eat, he said, "I will not eat until I have told my business." And he said to him, "Speak on." This is very interesting. So Laban put all this food and he says, eat, eat. This man very wisely would not eat. He says, I have to first speak my business. There is a, there is a verse in Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23 verse 1 through 3 says, when you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're a man of great appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food. You think, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'll tell you, I once was at, so, so I, I, I was on sabbatical, and I met a guy in a laboratory. I met this guy in a laboratory when I was on sabbatical, and, and, and this was, this was 25 years ago. And, uh, I was in, in this, this laboratory, and I met this, kid who obviously came from a very, very rich home because instead of making chemicals that anybody else would have made, he would find some place that would make chemicals and order it and have it shipped to him. I mean, this is synthetic chemistry. We're supposed to be doing this. And he he was gone a lot. And then he would make an appointment to meet with his major professor. I was working in that lab and he would fly in to meet the major professor. And the major professor would say, you know, I'm too busy today. And he wouldn't meet with them. So this guy was flying in and out. I said, what's with this kid? He said, oh, he owns some company. His father's real rich. And and uh, uh, so it turned out the guy was really rich. His dad owned s- several big companies. And uh, his dad was, was uh, uh, just to show you how rich, his dad was the, the first and biggest investor in Intel, which, you know, became a big company. So when when I... I, I got to know him and he saw the work that I did and he wanted me to consult for the company that he was leading for his father. And so I the sabbatical was over, I went back and, and, and uh and I got this package to travel to go to visit the company. And it was a first class ticket, which in those days, you know, you know, I was just a, I, I was I was maybe thirty-five or thirty-four years old at the time. And they're sending me a first class ticket and they wanted me to sign a contract. And they looked at this contract and it was a consulting contract, but the terms were so amazing. You know, it, was, it would buy me, my children, my children's children. It was crazy in what it would buy. And and he would own everything I ever did. But I'd make a lot of money. And uh um, and I wouldn't sign. I showed it to the to the lawyers at the university, and they said, This is a crazy contract. So I said, I'm not signing. They said, You gotta sign it to come here. I said, Well then I won't come. They said, okay, but we'll c- come anyway. So then we, they take me out to dinner. It's this huge dinner. They had about eight people from that company, senior people. And I'm just, you know, this young professor. And they start bringing out all this wine, all these amazing bottles of wine. And I don't drink. I don't drink. Surprise. I don't drink. I said, you guys drink. I don't mind other people indulging. You go ahead. I, I just don't drink. And they're looking around at each other like, uh-oh. And then they try to hand me the contract again over dinner, and they're buying just lots and lots of stuff. And I eat until I begin to feel full, and I stop. I just stop. I don't eat anymore. And, and uh, um, they keep bringing stuff. I'm not hungry. I don't want anymore. It was very deceptive food, so I'm staying at, at the Hyatt Regency they put me up. So I, I go to the Hyatt Regency, and this, this guy who's the student, he walks in the elevator with me. And I'm thinking, you know, usually they'll say goodbye right in the front. And he gets in the elevator with me, and I say, it's okay, I can go to my room by myself. He says, oh, it's all right, I live here. So I go to my room. He lives in the penthouse of the Hyatt Regency. This is, and 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 anyway, and I wouldn't sign the contract. I just wouldn't do it. It was deceptive food. This guy knows it. Laban pulls the same thing on Jacob some years later, and Jacob falls for it, and it costs him 21 years of service. 21 years. This guy is really wise. He's not falling for it. There is protection being around wise people like this. This guy says, what family are you from? When you are thinking about... A spouse to marry. Please involve your families. You say, well, my par-. your parents are more perceptive than you think. God has given them a perception of what's good for you. And, and yeah, I care about you, but I don't care about you as much as your parents care about you. Does that hurt your feelings? I mean, it's true. If, if you're, my daughter lives in Israel. If she gets sick and she's in the hospital, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get on an airplane and go to Israel. If you're in Israel and you get sick and you're in the hospital, I will send you a warm blessing. But I'm not going over there. That's for your mother and your father to go over there. There's a difference. Your family really cares about you and they know you much better than I do. And I urge you to incorporate other people in this what family are you from talk about this thing get other counsel so when god had put on my heart i prayed that god would i always prayed lord lead to me the right wife i didn't want to get this thing wrong and then when i started you know getting attracted to Sreen, i thought this can't be right and i prayed about it. the more i prayed about it the more i i, I just thought she was the greatest so so uh, i went and i spoke to the the pastor of the church and i told him about it and he said okay i'll speak to her family on your behalf and uh, um, because it's a different cultural thing i'll speak to her family on your behalf and i told the pastors of the church i said to all the pastors i said if you're not if we're not all in agreement i don't want to pursue this before we ever get engaged because engagement is actually binding in the scriptures i want to get this thing right if you're not all in agreement so he says okay we'll pray for 6 months And the pastor went and told her father, her father and her mother were good with this, praying for six months. And remember, I had known her mother and father, and her mother and father knew me before Shireen ever came to this country, before I even knew she existed. After six months, all the pastors were in agreement except one of them. And it was the assistant pastor, and he was the assistant pastor over the discipleship house that I was in. And he said, Jim, I'm, I'm not that comfortable with it. And I said, okay. Then it won't happen. It's not gonna happen. And then the pastor said, wait a minute. Somebody's not hearing the Lord here. Let's pray another six months. And remember, we're, we're not, we're not engaged or any. I said, okay. Okay. I wanna get this thing right. After six more months, that assistant pastor gave us his blessing. I have never doubted that I married the right woman. Even in troubles that we've had in marriage, I've never doubted that I married the right woman. People doubt this all the time. I know a couple on their wedding night, the woman says, what if I married the wrong man? She says it to her new husband. What if you're not the man that God wanted me to marry? And he looked at her, he says, well, then you got lucky. <laughs> you know, and... and But people have this doubt. I never doubted there is no way all of those pastors, her family, my family, we're going to be wrong on this. Please incorporate other people into this decision. The more you want to keep this decision secret from your parents, secret from people, the more risk that this is not right because you have some suspicion it's not right. This one young lady, she said, I, w- I want you to meet this guy. He's a great guy. And and, and, uh, and she knew that I would, she asked me to ask him the hard questions, the things that I probe. And it's not like I'd like doing this, but for her sake, I would do it. And then, as she got to know this guy, she liked him more and more and more. And finally, she said, she was afraid to tell me not to ask him. So she told Shireen, you can tell Dr. Tour he doesn't need to ask him those questions. My father's taking care of that. Well, her mother and father had called me with some real questions about this guy. But you see, she started worrying that I might, you know, say, I I think there's some problems here. When you start trying to pull back and become aloof from the body of Christ and the security of the body of Christ, there may be something wrong. Just remember that. Now, I want to somehow bring this back to the gospel. There is security in the, in, 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 in the body of Christ. There is so much security. I want to finish with this from Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is security in the church, in the body of Christ. You learn to have part. If, if you never have any interaction with your pastor or with people in the body of Christ, then it's a foreign entity to you. But if you're as involved as I was in serving in the body of Christ, and I knew the pastor, and I knew the assistant pastors, and I knew the people, then I could willingly commit myself to their counsel. Jesus said, come to me. Come to Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you have burdens? Do you have concerns? Do you have things that you want to know from the Lord, things you want to know about? Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. There is security in me. Jesus invites us. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. If you do not know the Lord today, He is calling you. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for, my, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke. In other words, you take your burdens, you cast them right at my feet. Take my yoke. I mean, his his yoke is made out of like, like styrofoam. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is always good. He is never, ever, ever a taskmaster. The devil is a taskmaster. You serve Jesus or you serve the devil, it says. You've got to have one of them. And the devil is a taskmaster. He will ride you and destroy your life. Jesus said, I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, come to me. This day, if you do not know the Lord, I urge you to come to Jesus this day. I am giving you an invitation to come to my home today. We're going to have lunch. You say, well, you already have plans for lunch. Cancel your plans, all right? Cancel your plans. It's more important that you be with me today for lunch. If you do not know the Lord, it is more important that you be with me today. One guy reminded me, I was talking to one guy. He says, the first time I attended your class 10 years ago, you said about something, you said, if you think... I'm wrong, you're wrong. And and so, and so I say that again today. You've got to come and come to my home and let me tell you about Jesus. Come to him. Come to Jesus. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I will specifically sit with you and tell you about the gospel. And at least let me have this one opportunity to sit with you and tell you about Jesus and what he has done for you. Jesus is always good, always kind. He is gentle and humble in heart. And you will find this day rest for your souls. I guarantee you, if you come to my home today and you let me tell you about Jesus today, you will come to know the Lord today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And I pray, Father, that you would work on the believers' hearts here. That they would so trust you and trust your word. And, Father, that you would provide for them good spouses in your time after your own choosing. Father, do that, I pray. And, Lord, I pray for the unbelievers. Save souls today that they might be saved and become disciples, that they would learn from you that you are gentle and humble in heart, and that this day would be the day that they would start to have rest for their souls. Lord, do this, I pray, by your power, for it's not up to the man who wills or the man who runs, but to God who has mercy. So according to your mercy, do this, I pray. In the name of my blessed Lord Jesus. Amen.